1: knocking inside the walls, strange writings in blood, and a costume figure in the dark. Was it a spirit haunting this house, or something more terrifying? One family's greatest fear turned into another family's living nightmare, all at the hands of a young monster. This week's episode is Daniel LaPlante. Up bump in the night, your heart fills with dread. I screamed so many times at Alamo Draft House. <laughs> I thought I was Someone get... complained about you. No one did. Actually, the people beside me... What the... movie was this? Okay, Paris and I went to go see Crawl, which is Oh, the... th- that was the
2: alligator movie I was trying to remember the name of uh, the last time. gator flick. Yeah,
1: yeah. I had a better concept for an alligator. Well, it would have been a crocodile movie because they've recently found Nile crocodiles in the Everglades. And I believe that mm. that would have been a scarier
2: monster. This was just your average... Gators. Was this a flushed-on-the-toilet pet well, that lived in the sewers and you got see, loose?
1: Well, no, it's the uh, the trailer shows you, so I'm not giving anything away. There's a hurricane. Oh, is that what it is? I saw her,
2: flooding, yes. Her
1: dad lives by a gator farm, and so it floods, oh, okay. and so the gators are... So they're just regular gators? Yeah. There's just a
2: bunch of them. I guess that's more likely... Well, in, there in are some more of a crocodiles, l-
1: likely scenario, but there were some unlikely things in the movie. Uh, I, I didn't know that gator injuries were just not that bad. They're superfluous. You're sort of like ah. Surface, it's but a it's flesh wound. But a
2: flesh wound. <laughs> a flesh wound. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on
1: where they get you. But the directors, the hills have eyes. Got oh, this was the limbs, solid limb injuries, and everyone's like, somebody it. got their arm bit off, and it didn't. They didn't bat an eye. It wasn't bitten off. <laughs> Which, uh, they well, got chomped, and it d- okay. didn't come off. I would think it would come off if you're a, a zoologist, I, marine I biologist. I think it probably
2: could, but it also could just be. I mean, people get chomped by sharks, and. Don't lose they like a, a head
1: on like me going at a uh fudge sickle. Like, oh, so that's getting destroyed. Yeah, you'd think. Hmm. Anyhow. There were some unbelievable bits, but there were some jump scares, which I think you know how I react to. Jump I do scares. after La Girona. Oh my gosh. I
2: was Or just walking down the street.
1: Yeah. Down the hallway, <laughs> around a corner. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. And the people next to us, the lady would go, They're around the corner. She should turn around. There is. So she was talking with Whisp- full-out loud whispering. Well, she should have been kicked out. Thank you. I was just screaming and I also repeatedly said if they killed a dog I'm going to walk out. You can stay if you want to. And he said, "No, I'll-, I'll go with you. It's fine." And then the family in front of us was outright hollering. It was a free-for-all. I've never This had- is the worst Alamo i was management I've ever heard of. I was shocked. I was uh myself participating in the bad behavior so I don't want to be a snitch. So I would have
2: had all three of y'all, all all three (laughs) couples kicked out
1: of
3: this movie theater. In front of
1: us was like a mom, a dad, and two kids. It was like a free for all. I can't believe they allowed this. It was nuts. And it was, it's like at the flagship, like the big Alamo Cedars in downtown Dallas. I don't know. Uh, but if everyone's like, it's so bad, it's good. That movie was very well directed. It just was like, I didn't care about anyone and I wanted to all get eaten by gators. Well. That's one way to go about <laughs> I was it. Like, you know what? There's no stakes for me because you just eat her. I don't care. They didn't. That's how
2: I felt about La Llorona. I didn't yeah. care about any of the characters. None Same. of them were sympathetic figures, so I didn't give a shit what yeah. happened to like, any well, of them, if it including happens... the children. Yeah, which <laughs> says a lot about me. There's an
1: injured old man, and I was just like, you know what? Take him, Lord. He's, He's lived a good life. He's been fine. Left the Gators. He basically get was like, leave me. So. It's her dad. Well, I'll probably
2: wait for that one to come out yeah, on it's Netflix. Yeah, it's a Netflixer. That's a Netflixer.
1: Yeah, it's all right. I
2: just wanted to tell you the screaming in the Alamo. Did they have... Oh, you know what? Hmm. I was also at the Alamo this weekend. Oh, no. Uh, but the real Alamo what? in San Antonio. Are you allowed to talk in the real Alamo? We did not go into the actual okay. Alamo because the line was very long. Did you go in the gift shop? Very hot. Hell yeah. Yeah. Got Ella a you know those? It's a horse head with a stick, and you ride it around. Okay, you know what I'm it's talking about. Like a little about? pony. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say a rubber horseman. <laughs> hilarious! Please get her. Well, on. she did not find this gift hilarious. She didn't like it. We didn't think it through that we are handing her a horse head <laughs> it's with no body. And she took one look at it and started crying and wanted to be picked up. And I was like, what's scary about this? Oh, it has no body. What happened to the rest of the <laughs> exactly. horse? Exactly. Sarah's so, a smart kid. Well, I know. We've put it away and hopefully over time she, she gets she'll, older. She'll get it. Yeah. But we were at the Alamo and then we um, walked around the river walk. And I love the river walk. It was fun. It was nice. The, it was there's a, a root beer place
1: across the street from the Alamo. Did you go there?
2: No, they but sell- Tommy
1: had a root beer at the restaurant we went to. Oh, very nice. There's yeah. like a local place that makes root beers and they sell them in like oh, frosted nice. mugs across from the Alamo. There
2: across from the Alamo was Ripley's Haunted Tour. You didn't go on that. I did not. I went up and I was like, babe, do you want to do this? It was $23 a person. And oh, I go, I go, what is this to the lady? She goes, it's a walk through haunted house. And I peered inside and it was just droves of people. In the broad daylight looking at things I was like, this can't be haunted It's worth $23 So we just walked around And I got a giant margarita With a Dos Equis dumped inside of it Hell yeah It was very good That's how you forget the Alamo (laughs) (laughs) Exactly
1: But you didn't go in the basement?
2: There is no basement, Heather Where's PewDiePie's bicycle? (laughs) Wasn't it at that mean guy's house the whole time? When I was a kid, besides the leprechaun, before the leprechaun
1: ever traumatized me, Francis. Francis. From yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure scared the
2: bejesus out of me. You know what scared me from that movie? When was, he's in the big giant bathtub. Yes. Going, Man. Oh, that. Well, it scares me when they're, he's driving down the road and there are all those cartoon kind yes. of claymation animals yeah. and when he's having the nightmare yes. and the clowns are driving around in the ambulance it's a fucked up movie that movie I've it's Tim Burton I recently yeah talked about how fucked up that movie is I love for it. kids I loved Pee Wee as it was. I, was. I have a. I, oh, have I loved a, it Pee Wee doll in my I know. living room tell him, large Marge <laughs> <and laughs> that still makes me laugh if I see that scene <laughs> it's a great movie oh man
1: what a weekend we've had and then in, in the middle of we were it we are both were... at the Alamo In different ways. In different
2: ways. (laughs) Meanwhile, we were both researching this uh, horrifying case. Oh gosh, I was researching this the other night in the dark with my laptop, and out of nowhere, a mosquito hawk dive bombed my laptop (gasps) screen, and it scared the shit out of me. A hawk gotcha! I lost several years off. My life. <laughs> Gasped. Is mosquito hawk a southern thing? Do people know what mosquito uh, hawks we, are? We I don't It is not a giant mosquito it's that's not is a large bird. A hawk. It is not a yes, it's not a hawk that's a mosquito. I think it's probably in the South. We call them skeeter eaters.
1: So oh, I I've, call them mosquito hawk. I've never heard mosquito hawk, but I knew when oh. you said that I was I assumed it was a skeeter eater. Okay.
2: Yeah, they look like giant mayflies. Maybe some people call them
1: mayflies. Yeah, I think so. I, they're they long skinny body, long spindly legs and wings. and flies. Yeah, they they live like 24 they're hours. They're just a nuisance. Most of the time you find them dead. Yeah. I don't do they really eat mosquitoes? I think they do. Skeeter eaters. Skeeter eaters, mosquito hawks. Skeeter eater is uh, also a mean name that I got in high school. You you were oh, called that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a bully name though the Mesquite High School not my high school but, oh because you went to Mesquite that's right well yeah.
1: I went to a different high school I went to a John Horn High School Mesquite Jacks for Life but Mesquite High School's mascot Mesquite Skeeters mm-hmm. The Mesquite Skeeters. That is their, and their mascot's a mosquito. Did anyone ever call them the Skeet Skeets? All the time. That's a better burn. We would scream, ah, Skeet, 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 Skeet yeah. at them after that song came out. So much like Michael Bolton's name was fine until he was 12 yes. years old and the No Town Ass Clown came around. The Mesquite Skeeters was a fine, noble mascot mm. until Little John and the East Side Boys came out and they're like, ah, Skeet, 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 Skeet. Now, that's the best that thing is, that could have happened at that school. You know, put they, them on the map. They got to change the name. I was a yellow jacket.
2: Okay. We were the Jaguars. We jacket, got to, we got jacket to vote. off. I don't jacket know. It off. I don't know. I never. I mm-hmm. didn't go to many of the football games. Not so really, like, like people a rivalry. Yelled it. The ja- our rivalry was a. Uh, I believe it was a high school called Pascal. I want to say they were some type of a cat. That makes like sense. Like a, like a panther maybe. Like a Pascal Panther. Something. I could hear that. I don't know. But I, we didn't have a,
1: a rivalry because our school was so new, and the other schools oh. had sort of established their rivalry. Yeah, and we would be like, "Do you you want to fight?" And they're like, "No, we don't." <laughs> so go y'all away. didn't have
2: any rivalries. No,
1: eventually I think because we were uh, a lower rank in football because we were like smaller yeah. and yada yada. Anyhow, so I think we eventually got a rival. But wow, for
2: That's the long turn on each other when they don't give you someone exactly else to happen. turn on.
1: We created two mini schools inside the school. No. just <laughs>
2: East Egg, West Egg, up in there. <laughs>
1: You like Very that? good you reference. Like that
2: reference. Thank you Very so good reference. much. You know what else was inside the walls? Oh God, was that a segue? It's a good segue. Of. I'm into mm-hmm. it. It's a little bit of a segue. I appreciate it. This crazy, bizarre, tragic story we it... will be talking
1: about today. This is one that, on first blush, you think, "What a weird, wacky yes. little deal," and then you get into it and you think, "Oh Jesus Christ!" It this took is a turn I was not
2: expecting. More horrifying. Than I could have imagined Yes, for sure And we're going to get into it It is Daniel LaPlante Some people also refer to part of this story as the Andrews family haunting Yes I'm Christy I'm Heather So let's just jump right in In late 1986, a Townsend, Massachusetts teenager, Annie Andrews, received an interesting phone call It was a young man who claimed to be a teen from another school He said he had seen Annie and asked for her number from a friend because he found her so attractive.
1: This again, when much like you said, if someone called you and said you won something, you wouldn't believe it. If someone called me and was like, "I you, and I thought you were really hot," I'd be like, "Who? Like Seinfeld? Who is this?" <laughs> Who is? I actually this? said that in the movie out loud. I, we were really on a roll because she called someone for help and she was screaming and they couldn't hear her. And I just went, "Who is?" This? I cannot believe the Alamo employees did
2: not. It do was a free for all. Wow. It was a free
1: for all. Anyhow, but I think I would be incredulous as as, as a teen girl. Well, I would also be ooged out.
2: Yeah, and I guess this was back before people could ju- readily had your phone number. But it would weird me out to know that like somebody just got my phone number and like asked. Yeah, the... and also this is
1: days before DMs. So you... now you Very, would slide into the yes. DMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh,
2: I would feel uncomfortable. But maybe it was a simpler time. Uh, the eighties, yes, it, they were in some regards. Well, after talking on the phone for several weeks, she agreed to go on a date with the boy, having felt flattered by his comments. However, when the boy arrived to meet Annie, he was nothing like he described. The original catfish. Mm -hmm. Over the phone, the boy had told Annie he was a blonde athlete. Standing before Annie was instead a lanky brunette with a pockmarked face and greasy hair. Annie went on the date to be polite. But after an hour, made an excuse to get back home, and afterwards stopped returning the boy's phone calls, as was her right. You know what? Very much so. I wouldn't have gone on the date at all. No, got catfished. And maybe that's shitty of me.
1: Well, I wouldn't go, not because they, not not because it wasn't a hot athlete, but I would think, oh, this person's a liar. Yeah. What else have they lied? I about? would be very
2: uncomfortable that I had been completely taken. Yes. And yes, and I'm like. Uh, this guy just completely lied to my face. We're not going to address this. Yeah, I would <laughs> be more... He said he was somebody totally different. Exactly. Just concerned that it was uh He was an uh, untrue... Yes. A liar. Yes, exactly. Annie was not necessarily in the mood to date anyway. She was still mourning the loss of her mother earlier in the year after a long battle with cancer. She and her sister Jessica were, in fact, so grief-stricken by the loss that one evening they decided to perform a seance in hopes of making contact with their deceased mother's spirit. That's pretty sad. Very for sad. That they are miss her so bad. And she's, they're both teenage years, 13 to 15. That is your formative years when losing your mother is just devastating. Losing any parent, but especially for two young girls use you lose their mother is just, the, you would do anything to anything. have some more contact with her, including but in, performing a seance. Opening a realm to the other side. Exactly. While performing the seance, their father, Brian, came home and found his daughters in the basement with crystals, chanting in an attempt to make contact. He told the kids it was time for bed and took them upstairs. Later that night, as Annie and Jessica were trying to go to sleep, they got hopeful. They heard a light knocking on their walls. Wondering if they had actually made contact with their mother, the girls spoke to the spirit. To their surprise, the walls began knocking back in response. Most of the time, that's so scary. Yes. But in this
1: case, they were hopeful. You would probably feel comforting. Yeah, you're excited because is that you, mom? Knock twice. Yes. If yes, and it knocks twice. You're like,
2: oh, she's here with us. Well, I would assume
1: because I study the demonologists and psychics at in Lorraine Warren power couple that... A spirit would try to take on the form of the thing that you want it to take on Mm -hmm. so that it would trick you into letting it in. And I'm just a cynical person who would not believe a ghost. Yeah, I
2: mean, there's something to be said for that. That you just are told, I'm just a little girl. Do you think at that age you would have thought that? (gasps) Now looking back, maybe, but as a 13-year-old that just lost her mother... Is that going to be your first thought? Well, it's the 80s, so they didn't have the benefit of the internet that I did. I got obsessed with Ed
1: and Lorraine Warren probably when I was like 17. So okay, this so this
2: is this pre- struck
1: me before, pre-cynical demon. Before I studied in the Yeah, I was seventeen when I got into them because I remember I found their website, was reading their website, and then I got Which to this day has not been updated. It's oh, exactly the <laughs> same. It's the exact same, same website. Thing. It may be more animated in Geo Cities like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I got the book, uh, The Conjuring that was the that the base conjur it's called The Haunted. I, yeah, the Haunting, I the think. The Haunting, yes. Uh, about the Smurl family. Yes. And I read that in one night, cover to cover. Oh yes. Yeah. So you
2: talk about that in the small family haunting
1: Scared me so bad
2: Well, as the days passed, the haunting intensified. Rather than the previously gentle knocking on the walls, the girls were now hearing loud banging. Items began to go missing from the home as well. Soon the sisters feared that it was not their mother or a friendly spirit, but a demon they had mistakenly conjured from the other side.
1: Yeah, when it starts to take a turn, that's when you think, yeah, oh you're God. terrified. we've done something.
2: Their father was not convinced there was a ghost at all. A skeptic, Brian dismissed the children's complaint of knocking in the walls, even though they pointed to their seance as the start of their troubles. Brian told them to forget all about it as ghosts weren't real and the house was definitely not haunted. It's all reasonable responses from a parent. Yeah. And I think it's reasonable responses from these girls because Mm -hmm. they're thinking, well, what's the one outlying factor Mm -hmm. here? Oh, we performed a seance, now shit's going crazy. Of course we're the ones that caused this That's and the, the only night. logical explanation. Absolutely. That was when it started. But the apparent haunting wouldn't stop. For months after the seance, Annie and Jessica were plagued with noises and scares. Personal items had also gone missing, and furniture around the house seemed to be out of place ever so slightly. It's like a gaslighting ghost. It trying a- to absolutely you. is, yes. One evening, while Brian was away at work there was a particularly loud bout of banging. Annie grabbed a kitchen knife and headed to the basement from where it sounded like the thumps were coming. So if you're a
1: kid, first of all, this sounds like my sister. A thousand percent. She'd go. She'd get a kitchen knife. Let's again. go get it.
0: <laughs> you know what? I would what? have said. Ghost?
1: Bye. Just and leave. left the house. No, Shannon was yeah. bold. And she, to this day, is bold. And would just go, no, we're not. She was the one that, uh, speaking of talking in the movie theaters, I told you watch the movie Dark Water. And they were behind us talking. And she just turned around and made eye contact and said, oh, it just seemed like your conversation was more interesting than the movie. Go on. Finish what you were saying. And did they stop? It was this huge giant guy and he was like, uh, I would, uh, I'm i good. She's like, no, finish. <laughs> and he was like, I just wanted to say da-da-da, whatever to the girl. And she's like, okay. And then turned around. I was like, gosh, she's so cool. She would 100% <laughs> attack it goes for the night. She needed to be in that crawl movie yeah she was brave as hell she would have stabbed that alligator (laughs) right in the face right at the beginning you know there's nothing like as a kid i was like there's nothing braver than
2: my sister like she's the strongest thing that's so sweet well together annie and jessica crept down the stairs but once they flipped the light on at the bottom they saw that the basement was empty relieved and disappointed they headed back up to the living room but quickly stopped dead in their tracks there scrawled on the wall in blood was a message that read, "I am in your room. Come find me." Okay, now I would lose my mind. Little Heather would have been like, "I just pooped." <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, little Christie would have probably just Run had a heart attack. I had a baby heart attack, mm-hmm. and that would have been the end of it. Mm-hmm. Who? That's so scary. Well, terrified of what might be waiting for them upstairs, the sisters fled from the house to a neighbor's home to call the police. Their father was notified as well and rushed home from work. Poor guy. I also would think this isn't a ghost. This is a crazy person in my house. So uh-huh. that's why I would be even more shitting my pants. True. Because it's not. It's, it's at this point, point it's physical. Can, yes. Yes. Yeah, it's a so physical. It's, that I'm going to have to encounter. And it's, it's a real deal now. Mm hmm. Upon seeing the message, Brian discovered it was written in ketchup and became angry with the children for playing such a cruel trick and put them to bed with a lecture. He also suspected that they were using this ghost business to deal with the grief from losing their mother, so he found a therapist to counsel them. How do you think he figured out it was ketchup? I think he went up to it and touched, touched it. it. He licked it. <laughs> maybe he smelled it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he was like, This isn't blood. He's like, look at the how drug is, gooey it across it is. It. yeah. I mean, Ketchup has a pretty pungent smell. Yeah, you
1: can, and I think you can... If you're a little kid and you're scared and you're running past it, you maybe don't notice. But I think blood's probably thinner and ketchup's more of like a goo gel-like yeah. And thing. he
2: obviously thought it was his kids already. So he probably was like, how did they do this? Have
1: you ever seen the movie Fierce Creatures? Fierce
2: Creatures? I don't think it's so.
1: It's sort of a sequel to A Fish Called Wanda. It has John Cleese I and Jamie. I have seen A Fish Called Wanda. So it's the same cast. It's John Cleese, Jamie Lee Curtis, and um, Kevin... Klein yes and they uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein work for this like conglomerate that owns all these companies and they decide that they're going to buy this zoo in England oh. and John Cleese runs the zoo okay and they figure out the way to drive up profit is to make all the animals seem very deadly and so it's like an anteater but there's like videos of people screaming and oh, running that's funny and it's like the most dangerous animal and so he John Cleese is assuming that this is all put on well a lady really does fall and scrape herself but John Cleese says this is ridiculous it's all just part of the act and you know how he talks and he's very yeah. like haughty and he grabs her arm and he starts licking the blood and they're like he's sucking her blood <laughs> and they're like he's running amok it's such a good movie and Kevin Klein plays himself and his own dad who's Australian oh that's very funny and he's like doing this Australian accent he's like mother always said when you're naughty you gotta go to the shed and it's one of my <laughs> favorite phrases and I'll I've say it i never heard you say it sometimes I'll say it and I'll be like if you've been naughty you gotta go to the shed and nobody knows what movie that's from <laughs> No, DM me if you love fierce creatures. Please DM me. It's so good. I wore that VHS tape out. I recorded I'm gonna have to it. Watch it. Oh, it's so funny. I if it holds up, highly recommend. But that's one way to know if his ketchup is just it's straight just up. It's just to look at. Maybe we'll look that's what he it. did. But I think he did the right thing, putting them in in uh, counseling. absolutely you know? yes,
2: they probably should have already
1: been in. Yeah, but at least tough.
2: better late than never. Exactly. Well, two weeks went by, and it seemed like Brian's plan was working. As his children learned to cope with their grief in a healthy way, the ghost appearances subsided. That is until one day when Annie and Jessica were home alone while Brian was again at work. Suddenly, the ghost was back and once again making loud banging noises upstairs. God, that's the worst when you
1: think, oh, we're safe, it's finally over, and then it ramps back Mm -hmm. up. Somehow it makes it worse than just a steady. It was safe. Just like every movie trailer. Every horror movie
2: trailer ever. Yes. Well, again, Annie took a knife from the kitchen, preparing for a confrontation. As the teenage girls approached the bedroom, they saw another blood red message scrawled on the wall that said, I'm back. Find me if you can. So these girls know it's not them. Correct. The dad thinks it is them. But you're these two teenage girls and all you're trying to do is convince your parent we have nothing to do with this. I'm serious. This is a serious yeah, thing. Yeah, imagine how defeating and frustrating that is. And and uh,
1: makes you feel like he doesn't trust you yes. or he doesn't believe yes. you. And also, it's all happening frequently when they're, and because it's a single dad, he's got to work to support yeah. them. Frequently happening while their dad is away. Yeah. So you're feeling when vulnerable. When they're at their
2: most vulnerable. Alone.
1: Yeah. This it is, makes you
2: even more sad that you don't have your mom to mm-hmm. go to to help you. <sighs> Well, Annie and Jessica fled the home once more and again headed to a neighbor's house to call their dad. Brian headed home begrudgingly, sure he would find more pranks by his kids. As Brian and his daughters stood on their porch, they heard all the TVs in the house, apparently turned on and at full volume. The girls confirmed they had not left them that way. Now even more curious, Brian turned the doorknob and headed inside. Since the kids said the noises and messages were upstairs, that's where he went. As a brave dad, but you know what? As a parent, you gotta. You, oh yeah, you gotta do it. I mean, you're bumping the night duty. I do it. I'd, I would for Ella. Mm-hmm. I would do it. Actually, I think honestly, if I showed up and all the TVs were on Just in the leave. house, I would get my girls and leave and go call the cops because I would assume an intruder was in the home. Yeah.
1: That's I, true. I, I
2: would not go in after them. It's a,
1: the the two explanations, you can't solve either, either of them. You know, if explanation one, if it's a ghost, you can't fix that. Right. And if it's an intruder, you shouldn't try you to fix that. Do you want to confront that? Yeah. No, go get
2: the police on the phone. Call the yeah. cops. Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, hey, he did what he thought was right. Well, in some versions of the story, Brian headed upstairs to find another message on the wall. This one said, Marry me. Confused by the message, he only barely noticed the figure standing in the corner of the room. It was a teenage boy wearing Brian's deceased wife's clothes and a blonde wig, his face smeared with makeup. In his hand, a wood chopping hatchet. Brian, Annie, and Jessica managed to escape the house and call the police. They then decided to stay with family for a few days. Well, yeah, I think I don't think I'd go back. Burn the house down. Burn, burn the your entire things, house. Things
1: are gone. It's been nice. You can start over. Start fresh. What a shocking and unexpected sight. I mean, it's good that he they ran out. I guess he had a hatchet. And he maybe was a lanky, so he's a little bit taller. I was thinking if if I saw a kid dressed up trying to taunt me, I'd punch him in the face. Uh, but if I he's got a weapon and he's probably wielding it in a crazy and manner, and he's wearing
2: your dead spouse's clothes, yeah, I'm gonna be. This person is clearly unhinged. I'm not about. And you've got your kids with you. Yeah, it's I would like immediately bolt. when Michael Booth
1: goes to the attic and finds George senior and the wife's. <laughs>
2: Maternity clothes. That's oh man, that season's so good.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And he lives in the attic.
2: But yeah, it's a start.
1: So this is one
2: version. Correct. This is where the story splits. Yeah. So because this story has been told a lot and Mm -hmm. picked up by the media, a lot of people assume some things have been embellished or maybe twisted a bit for the sake of sensationalism. But enough of the story has been confirmed that it did really happen. There's just this is where things there's two different kind of variations. It's
1: sort of it's an actual event that there were charges filed. It yes. was recorded in the by the AP in the news. Yes, but the further details weren't. They didn't come to light, so people sort of
2: filled in. Yes, the, the... like this exactly. Yes. Well, when police searched the house, they found no one. As they continued searching, Brian and his children felt safe enough to return. When they pulled into their driveway, however, they were horrified to find the same teenage boy who had wielded the hatchet now standing in their living room window. Staring at them. That's very psycho-esque. That's freaky. Also, how long were you standing there? He's just waiting for them to come back. Yeah. So maybe that's why it's not quite as believable. True, there's little, some holes in this. I believe this second version of the story
1: is the one that was reported on in the old timey news. You guys, I looked at old timey newspapers for this yes. story, and old timey newspapers. Old. I was on the microfiche machine, <laughs> but I will. I give you all the credit because I'll just say a thing, and you're like, you need to find sources for this. <laughs> You're like, what does this even mean in your notes? And then I have to, I'm like, okay, here's the newspaper article. But it was really fun to like, not fun. Old timey
2: newspapers are fun. It was
1: interesting to go and read the actual, especially reading so many variations on the urban legend, reading the details that were reported in the local paper at the time.
2: Yeah. Yes. Local papers are always very interesting.
1: I only get my
2: news from the National Enquirer and the Mesquite (laughs) Star. Well, that is quite a worldview you have. (laughs) Well, in other versions of the story, and the one that is much more likely, Annie was in her room and opened her closet to find a teenage boy dressed as a Native American with his face painted and a hatchet in his hand. He tied her up, then brought each family member to the room, tied them up, and left to ransack the house in search of valuables. So even though this is probably what happened, how insane You're a teenage girl. You're just in your room. Chilling. Hanging out. Already alarmed by all the shit that's going down. Then you just open your closet maybe to get out a cardigan. I don't know. Here it comes. Look at your teen beat. (laughs) And then there's just a boy standing there in makeup with a freaking hatchet. It's horrifying. That is... You don't get over that, and these details
1: were the ones that were published in the newspaper that he was wearing Native American regalia kind of where did gar- he get that great question He probably stole it from somewhere he has he's he's a bit of a
2: thief. we'll learn. <laughs> But yeah, My he... God, he... Was... Maybe they had a costume section in their house. Yeah. Two I girls, a whole... like a dress-up thing. I, I got a know. whole bag of costumes. I've got a lot of costumes, too. Oh, man. I always I... think I should get rid of them, and then I think, no, I'm going to need these It's one great. Day. It's so great. I mean, and I have for sketches many times used them. So. Yeah, and just
1: having for, you
2: know, parties you go to or your friends go, hey, do you have a whatever kind of costume? They oh, like can have a Sherlock Holmes costume. There costumes. was one birthday party where all of a sudden tommy disappeared and he came back dressed as a sock monkey (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah yeah and that and then he just stayed as a sock monkey the rest of like i'm just feeling it i just want to be a sock monkey right now well annie managed to escape her binds and untie her sister and dad the three then fled the house and called the police when authorities arrived there was no sign of the boy that had threatened annie and her family Well, in both versions, the boy was nowhere to be found when police searched the house. However, in the basement, the source of much of the noise, the police found something interesting. Behind the washing machine, a particularly astute officer noticed something. A small hole with some garbage inside of it. When they looked further, police found candy wrappers, soda and beer cans, and other indications that someone had been living inside the family's walls. Ah! Amidst all this trash was the most shocking discovery of all. The boy who had taken Annie on a date all those months ago, his name was Daniel Laplante, and he is living in their walls, my, and tormenting God. them. Police also discovered a series of tunnels that Danny had managed to create within the walls in order to give him access to other areas of the house. Strategically placed peepholes were also found that Danny had made, allowing him to spy on Annie from any location. That's so unnerving. It's you would question every single thing you had done for the past however long he's been there.
1: Like four or five crying months at room, this point. being alone and having a long time in your room. Yeah. Taking doing a shower. Anything, dressing. dressing
2: just doing. Any of your normal mundane stuff. Talking on the phone. Filtered through the eyes of someone else, though.
1: When you're just hanging out reading your teen beat, you got to poot and you just
2: let it go. All of that. You think you're
1: alone. You think you're not. And then now you know someone is listening the whole time. Man.
2: Terrifying. So embarrassing. Someone living in your
1: walls. To clarify, I've never farted
2: while reading a teen beat, but other people have. I don't know if I've ever read a teen beat. I did have a subscription to Sassy. (laughs) <laughs> for a long time, what was back sassy? in the day? Sassy was like seventeen. Shannon got seventeen or teen. I wouldn't say it was as classy as Teen Vogue. It was more along the lines of seventeen. I feel like there was another teen magazine at the time too. They competed. Yeah, Sassy was. I had a subscription. <laughs> My parents got it for me. I saved all of them, and then I took about fifty. Uh, copies of it to a church retreat and and in front of all of the girls read all of the write-in stuff about like getting your periods and how to use a tampon and how to get your first kiss I held court and like educated everyone You're like just so you guys know here's how it works yeah that's amazing. Sassy was great. DM me if you had Sassy. Man, that magazine is definitely not around anymore. Probably not.
1: Probably Seventeen is still around, though, isn't is it? it? I think maybe uh, Teen Vogue definitely is. Teen Vogue is. Yeah, man. Oh, man, magazines are a dying breed, though.
2: That's crazy. Yeah, it is.
1: I, you know, I still I read like D Magazine and Texas Monthly.
2: But I read. I also stuff. had for a long time, and this was just a few years ago, had a subscription to both. At the same time, of Star and Us Weekly. Oh, very nice. Because sometimes they have the same stories, but different point of views on them, and it was very interesting. <laughs> they get to a different source. Yeah. One
1: time, I just started receiving cigar aficionado oh. in the mail, uh, to this day, I don't know who sent it to me. Did you Uh, read it? Two years. Yeah, I would read it. What am I going to throw it out? It's a perfectly good magazine. (laughs) Burt Reynolds is on the front holding a stogie. I want to know what Burt Reynolds is. It was kind of sexy. A lot of George Clooney, Burt Reynolds. They know their their target demo. Oh, yes. No, I would read Cigar Aficionado. That's good. I like it. Just because it was free. I still. That's the great mystery of my life is who sent me those magazines. I'm still wondering who sent me the Ouija
2: board. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Oh, God. That was a listener. I have some theories. (laughs) We'll do a mini-sode. Yeah, well, we don't have it anymore. We got rid of it. That's right. We made somebody sign a disclaimer. Disclaimer just
1: said we're not responsible if for any demons that you <laughs> summon. you get
2: drugged to hell.
1: Okay, so this is a family. There's a man, boy-ish. He's 17. Yeah. On the cusp of manhood, living in the walls.
2: And then what happens? Danny was arrested. But because of his age at the time, 17, he was initially charged as a minor. He was sent to the Department of Youth Services until October 9th, 1987 before his case was transferred to the Ayer District Court. There he was charged as an adult, with four counts of kidnapping, four counts of armed assault in a dwelling, breaking and entry, larceny of greater than $100, and malicious destruction of property, He was released to his mother and stepfather after they paid $100,000 bond in anticipation of his December 11th court date.
1: So this became kind of a controversy in their small town, according to the old newspapers Mm. I read, because he basically was in juvie from January to October. Yeah. And they moved him around. He was supposed to get these psyche valves. He wouldn't get them or he would get them. And then the, nothing would be done with the results. And then eventually, because he had committed the crime in one county. And so they, but they arrested him in his home county and locked him up in the juvie in the home county. Well, then the county in which he committed the crime said, no, you know, he's ours. We want to put him here. And we're going to extradite char- him back yes, to, to the county. And we're going to charge him as an adult. And that's when he got transferred to the IRE District Court air district court and, but unfortunately the judge didn't have access to any of the juvie records or any of his prior stuff and so she said okay well uh can you make bond and his mom and, and will you watch out for him and the mom and stepdad said sure
2: we'll take him home not knowing the whole story Mm-mm.
1: i think she just saw the counts and said well he's only 17 but we will charge him as an adult but it's almost like the information from the psychologist wasn't presented. Wow. So the head uh, it was not the headline, but it was the title of the story was like a huge mistake was made or like yeah. bungling this situation. And basically the DAs from both areas were like, well, kind of like who's on first, you know, yeah. we had him, but he was a juvie and then we charged him as an adult, but the juvie he records kind of didn't through get the cracks. It kind of system. It sort of fell through the cracks
2: wow. to, to pretty also, tragic results. We'll he see. was 100% picked this family because she snubbed him. Correct. Because he felt so entitled that he she should not have stopped ghosting him essentially. Yes. He she ghosted him, so he decided he was gonna ghost her. Ghost but her in back. a much different way. Yep. Yeah, and just out of vindictive, malicious intent, he broke into their house and lived in the walls to torment these girls. I've just seen recently online
1: a bra- just varying posts from women screenshots. There was one where a guy had uh, matched with her on Tinder and then she dematched him, but he had somehow gotten her Snapchat. And so she was... Getting these messages at three and four a.m. Mm. and it was like you're a whore, blah blah blah. And when she screenshotted it, you know, she put it on Facebook and everyone fronted him out and figured out who he was. And it and was because she just hadn't returned his. She just match. unmatched him. Yeah, she didn't want to be with him. God and damn. then another one I just saw today: a woman was giving her number at a Dick's Sporting Goods for her. You know, they were always concerned about that at the cashier. She gets home and she gets a text message that says, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm going to shoot my shot now. I saw you at Dick Sporting <gasps> Goods. You're so hot. No. And I heard you put your number in. So I figured you wanted me to have it like haha." And she said, are you joking me? This is a huge invasion of privacy. No, yes. thank you. And of course, what do you think? He says, I'm so sorry. He's like, you fucking bitch. Oh. I'm trying to tell you you're cute. You're walking around that parking lot all by yourself. It's dangerous. Don't you know what happens in that parking lot? And she and he's like, why? Why don't you just want to give me a shot? I'll walk you back to your car. And she said, I'm married. Thank you. He's like, I can't believe you married the first loser that came along. I'm like, what? Motherfucker, you don't know me. I didn't. I've dated a lot of losers. I didn't marry the first one. (laughs) I'm married. I'm married like the fifth loser that I found. No. So he's he's obviously very pissed off. Horrible. He gets worse and worse, and she eventually says. Fuck you leave me alone and then like twenty It says 20 minutes later and then in all caps is from him going oh my god I can't believe you Called the cops you fucking bitch like nice. they came to my House and she said yeah I'm
2: not you're right I am oh, yeah. I am a bitch and I will call the Cops to your I, house. just the other day it's I Was horrifying. somewhere where they asked for my number And there were people in line and I Gave it to him but I was thinking I don't want to just say, I think it was target Yeah I don't want to say my number out loud That's like you never know who Mm-mm. Could be writing that down yeah And it's why creepy. do you need my number True. Why does Dick's Sporting Goods need your phone number? It's great question. So they to can to put you on some kind of list you don't want to be on. So, so they, they can, can mail you coupons. You? So yeah, they mail you coupons. Well, guess what? You don't mail to a phone, <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to give you my email.
1: But yeah, I have a. What was a? You gotta get a good fake email like garbage. I don't read at gmail.com. Yeah,
2: and then just put all your spam there. And you say, know what? I might do that.
1: Can we have your email address? You're like g a r b a g e. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's all wait, garbage. Wait a
2: second. This sounds like spam. <laughs> but yeah, it's not. That's, that's horrible. Yeah, a, and good for that woman for calling the cops. Oh, I would call the cops Absolutely. on the first message. Yeah,
1: but I think that this is we're learning now. Not learning. We knew this already from Ted Bundy and other cases that the sense of aggressive male entitlement. Yeah. Ownership of a the woman. fragile male ego. So, so fragile. Yes. And that sense of entitlement and sense of uh, possession, yeah. wanting possession over someone and thinking, well, if I can't be with you, you're not going to be happy at all.
2: Or no one else is going to have you. Pretty yeah. much. It's disgusting. hmm Well, that's what he... He took it to the next level when this girl said, no, thank you. I don't want to go on any more dates. He just moved in their home and pretended to be their dead mother. The most... Vile, and just this girls that are most vulnerable, and he just preyed on that even more, and enjoyed every second of to it. Took advantage, yeah. Well, not surprisingly, after Danny was released, the media got a hold of this bizarre case, and people started wondering who exactly was Danny Leplant and what had turned him into such a monster. Well, during his childhood years, Danny was tragically psychologically, physically, and sexually abused by his father. In an early age, he was also diagnosed with dyslexia, which caused him to struggle academically. In addition, Danny struggled socially and didn't have many friends. His classmates at North Middlesex High School referred to him as creepy and weird. Oh, so he was abused by
1: his family, by his yeah.
2: classmates, by...
1: He didn't really have a he break. was
2: He was... Everything I read used the word tortured. He was yeah. psychologically, sexually, and physically tortured by his father, which is... Uh, disgusting horrible unfathomable yes no one should ever have to go through that by no means does that make his actions excusable no but he clearly had a very traumatic and damning childhood that possibly explains some of his later actions well i think life. it could it,
1: it have a contributory effect yes on absolutely. his later behavior yes
2: yeah. And then coupled with the fact that he has dyslexia, which I can't imagine the frustrations and mm-hmm. isolation and feelings of failure that come along with it. And also, I think
1: now more there's a better understanding of learning disabilities yes. and better ways for teachers to help students cope with it than maybe in the eighties they yeah. just go, Oh, that's the dumb thing. And kid. same
2: for parents. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Instead of yeah. just
1: going, Oh, well you you know, you just get bad grades, yes. you're just slow. It's like no, he has a learning disability. If only you give him these tools right. he could throw Yeah, you I know, think thrive. I'm sure
2: people live successfully with that all the time. Yes. Yeah, so you just make it it's like having anything.
1: You yeah. Know, you say, okay. You just well, know how to treat it. Exactly. Exactly. Or know how to work
2: with it. Yeah. But he didn't have so he didn't have any Support at home, no. at least from his father. In fact, it was quite the opposite of support. And then at school, he didn't have any friends. He knew he was an outcast, Definitely. which, of course, during you're already at a disadvantage. And then stuff like that happens. And it just exacerbates an issue. Yes. Danny showed signs of personality disorder and had a reluctance to care for himself in regards to his appearance and personal hygiene. School officials soon referred him to a psychiatrist in hopes of getting him much needed help. That's good. They're seeing that he needs something. They're seeing that he needs help, and they're trying to step in. The psychiatrist diagnosed him with hyperactivity disorder, which exacerbated his already troubled mental state caused by problems at home and in school. And just when things couldn't possibly get any worse, Danny's psychiatrist proceeded to sexually abuse him over the course of the next year. Once again, a male figure in Danny's life that he trusted to protect him and have his best interest at heart Took advantage of his vulnerability in the worst possible way. So this is uh, this will fuck you up. On top, on it's just piling it on. Yes, layering it on. Yeah, I can't imagine his whole childhood is ripped away from him in the worst possible way, and he's definitely
1: feeling very alone. Yeah, there's a lot of shame tons of violence yes and then being outcasted at school further makes you feel alone and then you think oh finally a part an adult is here to help me and that adult turns yeah. out to prey on you as well that's disgusting
2: horrifying makes my stomach hurt absolutely danny also seemed to have a sick fascination with psychological mind games before breaking into the andrews home danny would often break into various houses around his neighborhood once inside, he would move knickknacks and furniture around in a way that wasn't immediately obvious, but just noticeable enough to make the homeowner suspect something or question their sanity. It's like that John Mullaney bit where he said his friend would
1: steal something from house parties and he would say, What do you steal? And he goes, Family photos, because it's the one thing they can't replace. <laughs> it's like, you're a monster. <laughs> but doing something like that where you're like, There was a wait, there was a picture here or the, that yeah. photo was facing that way. Yes. And now it's, it's
2: gaslighting you. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's also, I read somewhere a long time ago about a prank to pull on, like, a roommate is to move their bed, like, a quarter of an inch every night. Like Jim did with Dwight's desk? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you just, they slowly think they're just... Am I going crazy? Did I do this? Am I shrinking?
1: What's happening? here? Or he put a nickel in the hand receiver and then eventually took him out and Dwight hit himself in the head with the phone.
2: Yes, these yeah. are all,
1: so basically Jim Halbert was just gaslighting Dwight. Yeah, <laughs> turns yeah. out he but wrapped in the his desk of ways. and he thinks his
2: desk is a present. And then when he says, Oh, in the that's chair, so great, and he falls right through. Yeah, probably the best though was when he thought the Secret Service was contacting him <laughs> for a secret mission. <laughs> and he lands up on top of the roof. Mission is canceled. Destroy phone. Yeah, he just <laughs> chunks it off the roof. There was, in fact, speculation that Danny had obtained Annie Andrews' phone number during one of these break-ins, weeks before the Andrews even knew Danny LaPlante existed. So that would explain how he got the number. He did not ask a fellow classmate I'm sure for it. He, did he didn't that. really have anybody to ask that. And he went to a different school than her. Yeah, he broke into their home. I guess their phone number's just lying around. Back then you had Rolodexes. Mm,
1: With your own phone number? No, he didn't break into the Andrews house. He broke into one of the houses that he was gaslighting, and they suspect oh. that's he got it. Maybe there was like a yearbook, and she I signed. read it
2: as he broke into their home, yeah, so he either broke into their home or he broke into someone's home that had it, and that's i I would assume he broke into their home because and then he would know the address you Know, could, yeah, even who she was. You like, could see the photos on the wall yeah, know the address exactly back
1: then they had the damn. New the phone book, you just look anybody. Yeah, up.
2: that's true. Who we thought that we was, still have phone books? Who thought that was a good idea? Phone books.
1: Yeah, seems like a terrible
2: idea to have just everybody. Someone number.
1: wrongs you, and you just look up their phone number. And you just harass. Well, you could them? also call directory assistance. You could also just stand by on somebody that digs sporting goods. <laughs> yeah,
2: Turns apparently, out, apparently, apparently so. Danny also had a morbid fascination with death. While on his date with Annie, Danny had learned of her mother's passing. Rather than offer his condolences, he began asking Annie intrusive and inappropriate questions, like how much her mom had suffered and how Annie felt at the exact moment her mother died. Later, Annie claimed that it felt like a plant was obsessed with the death of her mother. Not great first date conversation. No, and I imagine that's one big reason why she didn't want to go on a second one. This ice cream's been great. I'm going to (laughs) go. I am going to leave now. Yeah, he's clearly socially
1: awkward as well yeah obviously your average person would know not to bring something like that up mm-hmm. or say oh
2: i'm so sorry about that and then let it go and yes. not say how did you feel exactly you would never ask upon the your first meeting of someone i would never ask those questions ever no. If I, no matter how long i knew someone but especially after just meeting them well upon his release from the juvenile facility in october danny went to live with his mom stepdad and his brother stephen Almost immediately, he returned to his life of burglary. On the afternoon of October 14th, 1987, Danny broke into the home of Raymond Pindell, who lived less than a quarter of a mile from Danny's house, stole two .22 caliber Ruger handguns and their holsters, as well as a substantial amount of cash. So this
1: is escalating from moving knickknacks to actually not only taking
2: stuff, but taking guns. Guns, yes. On November 16th, 1987, between 1130 a.m. and 330 p.m., Danny broke into the home of Andrew and Priscilla Gustafson that they shared with their two children, Abigail, aged seven and William, aged five. The Gustafson's home was located about a half a mile away from Danny's house through a wooded area. So I looked at the map and there's houses on one side and
1: houses on the other side and split between is the, this woods with a trail running through it. Yeah. That's a nice little hiking trail. Yeah. So the houses backed up to each other. Nice little wooded, secluded area. Go onto the hiking trail, walk up to the house, hop in, steal something, walk out, go back to the hiking trail, go back home. Seems like a place you would like to live normally. I'm sure he would like to live there
2: and offered him an escape route. Right. Several items were stolen from them, including two cable boxes, a cordless phone, a TV remote, and some Liberty Silver Dollar Coins. Danny took the stolen items home and asked his brother, Stephen, to put one of the cable boxes in the cordless phone in Stephen's tool cabinet. He gave the excuse that he did not want their parents to find them. Danny then asked his brother, as well as a friend, Michael Pulowski, for some bullets. Pulowski obliged and gave Danny a number of twenty-two caliber bullets. So he stole two guns. And I don't know what he did with
1: one of them, but the other one, he accidentally left in his laundry basket. Oopsie. And then his stepdad found it and yelled at him. And he said, oh, I got it at a gun show. And the stepdad said, you cannot have this. And I'm going to take it from you and took it away from um, him. But no,
2: Sam, he had a second one.
1: But he had a second one. And then he asked the friend, hey, I'm thinking, you know, I just I just want to figure out how to shoot. Can you get me bullets? And it's I think he was like a co-worker. And that's what Pulaski said. Yeah, sure, man. Here you go. I think he asked Stephen as well. And Stephen said, no, I'm not going to give
2: you bullets. because he knew his- was not in the he best was, mental state. Yeah, he was uh, giving off some vibes. Yeah. Well, heads up, things are about to get pretty graphic and upsetting. Around 3.30 p.m. on December 1st, 1987, a neighbor of the Gustafsons heard what they described as a little girl's scream. Andrew Gustafson, a young lawyer, had closed a big deal earlier in the day and wanted to celebrate with his wife. He tried calling the house three times, beginning at 3.45 p.m., to tell her to get a babysitter for the night but got no answer later that day at approximately five thirty p.m andrew arrived home to find his pregnant wife priscilla dead in a pool of blood on their bed he later testified that her skin was gray she had a pillow over her head through which someone had shot her twice at point blank range police would later determine she was shot with a 22 caliber gun so they lived in this pretty small
1: town he was a small town lawyer She was a nursery school teacher yeah, and church at a church and just no reason to ever expect something like this would happen. Low crime area, both well liked, had no enemies, no debt, never think something like this would happen. Criminal activity. You know, he wasn't like
2: owing money to the mob or something. Right. Yes. And she had just a a nice job, was loved by all the parents, Mm -hmm. also pregnant at the time. Shocked and grief-stricken, Andrew called the police. When they arrived, they made an even more grisly discovery. Both children had been drowned in two separate bathtubs in the home. Abigail had also suffered blunt force trauma and compression of her throat. Her clothes were in disarray, and she had scratches and bruises on her body, indicating that she had fought
1: her attacker. So she's seven, about to turn eight. She was a couple months or a couple weeks shy of her eighth birthday. Yes,
2: and her brother was five. Mm -hmm. Horrible. God, I,
1: I mean, for this this man's whole entire life is ripped away from him. Oh, in one in thirty an aft- minutes an afternoon, an afternoon,
2: yeah, Between an afternoon that started so happy and uh, celebratory And ended just in the worst home, day of his life. Take yeah. his wife out to dinner, yeah, and celebrate a deal. Investigations uncovered semen on the bedspread beside Priscilla, as well as a used condom on the floor, indicating that she had been raped and sodomized. The semen present was from a type A secretor. Meaning whoever left the semen secretes their blood type antigens into their bodily fluids like semen, saliva, and mucus. It's also
1: a Golden State Killer. Yes. Uh, one of the indicators. Absolutely. That they matched. They were able to match stuff. So back then, the DNA test was more. To, it wasn't until the early 90s, 94, yeah. that it really DNA testing really took off more. Back then, it was all about blood
2: type. And if you could tell it from the fluid that was yes. left behind. In the bedroom closet, police found a knotted brown sock. What was saliva, as they determined was used as a gag. There were also seven pre-made ligatures in the closet, a necktie, a sock, stockings, and a pair of pantyhose, all knotted and cut to be used to tie someone up. Around the same time, Andrew and the police were reconciling this horrific scene before them. Danny LaPlante was about 15 minutes away, playing with his six-year-old niece at her birthday party. So between three o'clock and five o'clock, he commits this heinous act. And then he goes to... Walks home. A girl who is just about the same age as the one he just murdered. Yes. Birthday party. And sits on the floor and plays with her. So the mental disconnect one must have to be able to do that. Seriously. Speaks
1: volumes. To turn it off and not be concerned or upset or worried or nervous or just say, oh, it's her birthday. Okay, well,
2: let's go. Not just upset for what you've done, but upset that you could easily be caught. Yes. Nervous or anything. Yeah, No, he seems... Pretty, uh, a flat effect. Just not, no no signs of remorse or any indication that he thought he did anything wrong. was upset. Yeah. The next day, on December 2nd, 1987, in the woods behind the Gustafson's house, police found a gray flannel shirt and a pair of work gloves bundled and wrapped together. When they unfurled the shirt, they found the nameplate from the Gustafson home. On the gloves were presents of gunshot residue. Officers immediately got police dogs on the scent, and the dogs led them to a home about a half mile away. The scent stopped just three feet short of Danny LaPlante's door. That's pretty damning. Pretty indicative that you got the guy. Pretty sure. Police headed to the Townsend Public Library, where Danny was studying. They questioned him briefly, but because they did not have sufficient evidence to tie him to the murders, an arrest was not made. Later that evening, officers headed back to the LaPlante house to talk with Danny again. He spoke with them briefly on the porch, before jumping off the porch and fleeing the scene. Immediately, a manhunt ensued that included helicopters, police dogs, and nearly 50 local and state officers. That's crazy that he just jumped I, off a fucking porch I, and ran off. I am blown away that he could just jump off a porch and run away and he wasn't shot? It's a pretty heavily... Somebody didn't uh, track him down and just
1: tackle him? Well, so the Laplants lived on this big chunk of land, and it was a uh, similar. Their house was kind of like a duplex, and it was a lot of land, and then the land went out the Which he was probably
2: familiar with. Very familiar knew with. knew the ins
1: and outs, where to hide, And how if it's the evade. evening, in the dark, he may have, you know, hopped, run around the back of the house, and by the time they're scrambling to catch up... And he's a young, you know, 17-year-old yeah. guy... He must be able to run pretty fast, in theory, and
2: knows... Caught him off guard, I guess. They didn't think he would leap away. Well, I mean, that's very ballsy. Yeah. That is... Yeah. Well, meanwhile, officers questioned Stephen Leplan, Danny's brother, who confirmed that the shirt and pants they found in the woods were indeed his brother's, and that Danny had been wearing that outfit the day before. The family sort of uh,
1: super cooperates. Stephen, super... One might question...
2: Was that because they knew he needed to be put away? Locked away. Yeah.
1: his. I mean, later on, we'll get to it. His mom just straight up testified and was like, no, that's exactly the time he was gone from the house. Yeah. Like, they just flip completely. I mean. They're like, may we come inside? And Stephen LaPlante's like, oh, yeah, he
2: hid some stuff in my cabinet. You should go look in there. Yeah. I mean. Just like I him think away. they probably are like, we love him. He's our son, our brother, but we know he needs serious help and He's done something terribly wrong. Yeah, he, has, he has. And they
1: know for the sure. He's like burglarized people and held those people hostage. Yeah. They, a they
2: know uh, it was no secret. All the shit he did to the yeah. Andrews. So I'm sure they're like, oh, my God. Finally he's done something even more heinous. He's got to he's got to be locked up in another twist of horrifying fate.
1: So Danny was released on uh, bail in early October. And on October 9th, he was released on bail. There was scheduled to have a grand jury arraignment on October maybe 12th, I think, or yes, something. Yes, just a few days later. And they just canceled it. And they can't figure out why. That was another part of that article that said this was a huge mess up. They had canceled the grand jury um arraignment and didn't reschedule it. And a couple days later is when he committed the Pendel burglary. And then a couple weeks later is when he commits these yeah. horrible murders. And you just wonder... I mean had what, that had, had not they been canceled arraigned him and he had gone on trial and been I mean there's three live witnesses, maybe four depending on what story you hear. Yeah. From the Andrews attack, he could have been locked up. Yeah. This would have been, you know, solved. Probably so. would
2: have been. And
1: yeah, would the have timeline saved
2: these three lives, three yeah, innocent lives. And changed the, you know, their lives forever. Yeah, the trajectory of everybody's lives involved with this. Well, Stephen also allowed the officers to search the house. That, along with their warrant, gave them free reign of the LePlant residence. Inside, they found the stolen items from the Pindell burglary, as well as the cable box and remote stolen from the Gustafsons. Additionally, the bullets used in the murder were a match not only to the ones given to Danny by Pulowski, but the striations on the bullet matched the .22-caliber Ruger previously stolen from the Pindell home in October. This is a lot of very damning evidence. And the bullets
1: were really specific. They had a letter C printed on them. And it was so it was exactly the same yeah. I mean, it was a match. I'm sure they're mass produced, but it was very specific to that kind of gun. And then especially once you have the striations. Yeah,
2: I mean, all signs point to yes here. Yes. Still managing to evade law enforcement, Danny had made his way to the nearby town of Peppernell, about 15 minutes away. After breaking into a woman's house, he ordered her at gunpoint to drive him to Fitchburg in her van. Her orange Volkswagen van, which is
1: just a very,
2: uh, flashy. Like, of all cars that are going to be easily spotted That's, on the road. Cause this is An the orange 80s. VW bus. Yeah. It's not even the, the 70s, 70s anymore. It's been around. So it's, it's not a usual vehicle. They're it's, not very fast. No, no. It's probably going like 60, but it's also like any, if you're just told, be on the lookout for an orange VW band. There's probably only one in this town, especially
1: it's a really small area. And I was looking at it on the map, like where Peppernell is versus Townsend and all that. They're all about fifteen twenty minutes yeah. away. Yeah, so it'd be easy to spot. <laughs> you can get the word a, out. And it's a lot of woods around too, so there's really only a couple of roads. But again, also
2: back then, I mean, I guess they could break into a news story or radio. Yeah, like for cops. But I'm, other s- I'm saying to get it out to the public. Oh, yeah. There wasn't social media where, you know, the police can tweet like be on the lookout for this mm-hmm. and stuff. So you're at a disadvantage. L- it's a little easier to evade than it would be. now, Even in an orange van. Yeah. Well, fearing for her life, the woman obliged. Luckily, she was able to eventually jump out of the van. Undeterred, Danny continued on without her, while police still frantically searched for the mass murderer.
1: Yeah, she saw a police cruiser and just took her shot and just jumped out. And he just—I absolutely would do that. Oh, same, yeah. Because
2: you're—I would be thinking, either way, I'm going to die. I might as well. I might as well die trying Correct. to not die. Yes, that—that About... that human need for survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. yeah. It's the fight or flight. About 15 minutes south of Peppernell is a town called air 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 well that's where the manhunt ended danny was found hiding in a dumpster in a lumber yard he surrendered peacefully and claimed to be unarmed when detention officers who went to book him began conducting a strip search it was then that he admitted to hiding the 32 caliber gun in his underwear and a bullet in his sock so he's
1: stolen... This is a third gun he's stolen now. Third gun. He Because he broke into two houses, and then the third house he broke into was this VW van On woman. his
2: lamb from the law. Yes.
1: He jumps off the porch, takes off running, and just starts burglaring again. He can't <laughs> help himself. And steals also, a gun. Also,
2: I mean, the arrogance and cockiness one must have to think, well, I'm already... Trying to evade police, but now I'm going to just commit even more crimes and up the chances that I'm going to get caught. Seriously. They said at this lumber yard, there was a dumpster,
1: and it had a little door on the side. And the cop walked around, saw this little door, and just thought, I'm just going to stick my head in there. Mm. Because it was a trash compactor dumpster. Mm -hmm. So it was mechanical, and it had a mechanical hydraulic lift. So the cop opens the little door, looks up, and he sees a pair of feet in a plaid shirt dangling. And he says... Of course, draws his weapon and says, yeah. it's over. Yeah. Danny, you got to come down this again. It's the things you read in 1987 edition of a local newspaper of the is that
2: sun. apparently
1: the two detectives that got him w- said to themselves when they got the the APB that there was a manhunt. They said, we're going to be the ones to get him.
2: Well, and then chaos magic. Do they did even back then? They didn't in, even know what it was. Just but believe they did in it. yourself. You got to always.
1: And then apparently he stuffed a gun in his pants.
2: Yeah, there's a joke there, but
1: there I pistol? decided not yeah, to make yeah, it yeah, because yeah. of the circumstances. It's pretty horrifying, but uh, that's why they strip search people in in jail. So when they patted him down while arresting him, they missed that. Maybe they didn't grab his wean area. I don't know how I a thought that's worked. what a pat
2: down was. The TSA they kind of dance around it. When I went to Lake Tahoe and I was pregnant, I talked about being there. Oh yeah, on the last episode at the airport i refused yes refused to go through the x-ray machine because i was pregnant even though yes even though i was looking stuff up i mean there were arguments for both sides but i was like why risk it so i had to stand there and wait for them to come get a female security guard to pat me down and let me she was like do you want to go in another room to do this I'd never been patted down, so I said, no, it's fine here. She should have taken me to dinner first, because that was very intimate. She got in the crack? And, dude, front and back. And Tommy was, (laughs) Tommy was like, she's
1: already pregnant.
2: (laughs) What are you trying to do? Tommy was standing there, and afterwards he was just laughing, because every time she would get near, like, My boobies or my bathing suit area, and she had to do a swipe. She would just be like, "So how's the weather outside?" Like try to make small talk to distract from the (laughs) fact she was like just totally groping me. (laughs) She's like, "Yeah." You're like, "Why did you just pinch my nipples?"
1: There's not dinks could be hiding there. You You never know know what you could hide. You could be a fembot, and that's that's true. To
2: know a pregnant bot. man. Yeah, it was quite. It's quite an ordeal. But I that's a hard. I thing. almost missed my flight, to be honest, because no. of how long it took for them to get a security guard to come pat me down. You're like, could you? Why are you standing
1: behind me with your arms around me? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why is Enrique why Iglesias we on the radio? Yeah. Uh, but that's a hard question, though. If you say, you know, it could be harmful. Yeah, why I don't want to go it? through it. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, and that and I had a, like an eighteen-year-old TSA guy try to mansplain to me that it wouldn't hurt the baby. Let me tell you something. Uh. 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 Christy doesn't respond well to stuff like that, nope. and I damn near caused a scene in the middle of DFW airport. <laughs> he was
1: such a. You're little like I'm about guy. to blow up at you, and they're like, "She said it. Take her out." <laughs> Oh Uh, don't make those jokes. I could go off like a bomb right now. Yeah, don't
2: ever make those jokes. My emotions are
1: explosive. (laughs) You have no idea. You could be like the lady in front of me one time that apparently now you had to take food out of your bags. Oh yeah. And she didn't know that. Like what? Chips? Anything. If you have any snack. You gotta take it out of your bag. Did not know that. And, uh, I didn't have any snacks on me, but she apparently had a gallon Ziploc bag of shrimp scampi. And they, no, they went through. What? It went through. Who does that? Great question. And it went through the machine. And of course they unzip it. Cause they're like, is this? A oh my God. Bag of and it worms? just unleashed the fucking <laughs> and they, stench. They just open it and they say, is this your snack? And she's like, that's not a snack. That's my scampi. <laughs>
2: She was real country. That's my scampi. <laughs> well, to keep if my... it's not a snack, it's her entree. I don't know what is she trying to say? Did she bring enough for everyone? That's my scampi. Also, it's my scampy. Also, it means it's room temperature. Yeah. Who... And your Girls, clothes. Don't are... eat room temperature scampi. It's
1: just good advice. And now your drawers and all your whatnots are going to smell like scampy. Wow.
2: She oh. was taking that to somebody. <laughs> She's like, I'll tell you what. I'm coming. <laughs> it's my I, scampi. I'm coming and I'm bringing my scampi. Did I'm I... bringing my prize winning scampi. But. Uh, <laughs> Louise, how are you going to get it here? Don't you worry about that. Mm-mm. I'm getting a scamps It ain't this a plane. liquid. It's more of a kind of a gel. <laughs> it's a
1: gelatinous Did I goop. tell you my mom got stopped at TSA coming to Chicago? Because I, she brought me a coffee maker, and she was being nice, and she was bringing me a bag of coffee grounds, and she also wanted to bring me powdered creamer so I wouldn't have to buy creamer at the store. So she filled a sandwich bag with coffee grounds. Uh-oh. And then she filled, no, opposite. She filled a sandwich bag of coffee creamer. So it looks like cocaine. And, it's, yep. <laughs> and she filled a gallon Ziploc bag with coffee grounds. And to save space, she stuck the coffee creamer Ziploc bag into the coffee grounds Ziploc so, bag. So she's hiding cocaine. 100%. <laughs> and they, of course, pull it out of her bag and go, what is this? And she's like, what? it's like, Kramer what is this and she's like I'm taking coffee to my daughter then it's Kramer inside I don't want to have to buy Kramer it's Kramer it's French vanilla it's Kramer and they're like just go ma'am you can just leave
2: <laughs> see she,
1: little, they, she could have been a drug mule <laughs>
2: easily they they were
1: like we're not going to put up if, with this we're not going <laughs> to deal with this we don't have time ag- if you're aggressive enough you can absolutely traffic drugs <laughs> you yeah, I want to be willing, that like, what was in that scampy bag now it's probably a, a balloon of black tar yeah, heroin
2: that, yeah and they're like, just yelling. go, just go. Give me my scampi. Anybody and, that takes shrimp scampi on a plane should be banned from flying permanently. And yeah, like thrown in prison <laughs> on the top of a mountain. Can you imagine if the pressure changes the scampi? <laughs> just in the, <laughs> explodes. In the upper compartment, <laughs> it's just raining scampi. Oh my God. This airplane has
0: to be decommissioned. Yeah.
2: No, you, yeah, you put it down like a horse. God. You can't fly that thing anymore Yeesh. after that.
1: more than once, actually.
2: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting.
3: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: I never win and tell.
3: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void
0: prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: My God. My scampy. My scampy. Everywhere those people are going. I need to smell like a rotten vagina. <laughs> Jesus. You know I'm right though, like the dumpster behind a Long John Silver's.
1: <laughs> oh man! Well, he was found kind of in a dumpster. He was.
2: He was trash in an, compactor, yeah, was a, d- a trash compacting dumpster situation. And so. after he was found, he was once again arrested, and this time charged with three counts of murder. He pled not guilty. Well, that's what they usually do to say yeah. go to trial. Throughout the three week trial, eighteen year old Danny never showed emotion or remorse. Danny's attorney argued that there were no witnesses to the crime, and therefore the state's case was all circumstantial. However, the state presented mounds of evidence, including a key piece, a strand of Abigail's hair, found on one of Danny's socks. This case was very
1: unusual at the time because it was so strong with fiber. Small DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. So it's like the strand of hair from Abigail. There were fibers his on the semen. The, his semen. There's fibers on the bedspread that were also on his clothes yeah. that were also sim- similar to the sock fibers and that were found in Priscilla's mouth. Yeah. So they were able to match really excellent work on behalf of the crime scene technicians, really combing through tiny fibers and pieces of evidence. And making
2: it very hard to explain how all of this would be on his clothing had yes. he not been there. Correct. Well, laboratory analysis of Danny's blood was also introduced, which revealed that he was a type A secretor, a match to the semen found on the bedspread. The Prosecution was also allowed to introduce the cordless phone and cable box stolen from the Gustafsons two weeks before the murders. Police found those items inside LaPlante's home. Further adding to his guilt, Danny LaPlante in fact confessed to the murders in a series of letters in 1987 and 1988 that the state also admitted into evidence. An inmate named Larry Brocklebank began writing Danny, asking for information and gathering the letters in a plot to obtain more favorable treatment in jail. So I found this newspaper article
1: about old Brocklebank. First of all, there's a state trooper named Steve Lawless, which is just fucking cool. Yeah. And he believed that the letters from Danny to Brocklebank were legit because Brocklebank had this scheme in his head that he would get reduced charges and... If he were was able to come up with evidence. So he would see high profile cases and he did it with... That's two, not a bad idea. Dude, he did it with two inmates in Florida and then he did it and he was in the Salem jail, which was across the state, kind of from Townsend, but saw this in the newspaper and decided, you know what, I'm going to write to Daniel LaPlante and say, hey, buddy, I'm in jail too. I know what it's like. Do you want to talk to my lawyer? Yeah. Do you need help? Trying so. to offer a uh, olive leaf. Pretty much, and trying to say, I'm here for you, I get it, you know, let me help you. Yeah. Well, the initial letters show Danny's confidence, with him saying, They have no gun yet, and will never find it. I was alone.
2: Apparently, in later letters, Danny said,
1: I'm worried after killing three people, and more charges from before.
2: However, after Brocklebank went to the authorities with the first few letters, and offered to keep the conversation going, he became an agent, acting on behalf of the government. In that case, since Danny did not know Brockelbank was an agent, Danny's rights were violated. But the letters from before the agreement were admissible at trial. So there was a huge motion to suppress hearing that was also reported
1: in the Lowell Sun mm-hmm. about whether or not these letters were admissible. And the question was, should Danny have been made aware that in theory this Brocklebank fellow is working on behalf of the police? And so the judge ruled that because uh, he freely was admitting a lot of shit in the upfront letters. He also there's another one. He said, I don't know if your lawyer can help me. I'm going to I've been charged with three murders that I did and I'll probably get charged with rape, too, because of what I did. And sort of was uh, diurating of yeah. the mouth. Yes. Happily writing that all of the ones from before Brockle Bank went to the authorities, which were plenty, was admissible.
2: So they didn't even need the ones. Yeah, after there was the, just so many was working for the government. Yeah, there were so many. Well, in addition to the letters, the defense asked for some other key items to be excluded, including the loot stolen from the other houses Danny burglarized. This was key, as the gun used in the Gustafson murder was stolen from Raymond Pendel's house nearby. Police later found that gun in an abandoned Jeep on the LaPlante's property. Defense filed a motion to suppress this evidence, but it was denied. So they did, the police had a warrant to search the LaPlante residence.
1: And one of the things that Danny LaPlante's attorney appellate attorney argued on appeal was that the police exceeded the scope of their warrant so right. when you have a warrant to search a place you're allowed to search the place you know if they say you can search storefront 132 of the strip mall you don't get to go and search every other little storefront right. but the argument would be then if this warrant said you can search the abc strip mall then you would theoretically be able to search all of the, all the malls, cubbies all the, so this the said the la residence. well the argument from danny's attorney was it was really a duplex and they kind of let Steven chill in one of the parts of it. And that's where the tool cabinet was and some of the stuff. And then their land sort of went pretty far back. And that's where the Jeep was. But the, the, what, where the appellate court came down on it was that. From all appearances, when you walk up and the cops did as much diligence as they could and said, hey, do you know who, you know, calls the cable company or calls the electric company says who lives at one, two, three? It was like 22 West Elm. They said, oh, the LaPlante family. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say, oh, the LaPlante's and the Smith's and they share it. They just assumed even though it was a duplex, they were uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They were sufficiently occupying the entire structure as to create uh as to have it all be considered the same residence Mm. and the same with the area
2: around it so basically the trial because the jeep was on the property property they said his attorney said this is out of the scope of where you should be searching therefore it shouldn't be admissible but they said uh too bad so sad they also said hey we asked your brother yo dude is it cool if we look back here and he he was was like yeah right on on, brother yeah
1: (laughs) and gave him pretty much everything right he, he was also, he was volunteering a lot of stuff. You may want to check the tool cabinet.
2: Hey, that's the shirt my brother was I'm wearing. I'm telling you, I think that they, <laughs> they were, trying. were trying to yeah. help him, help themselves, help this, help Just society. Get him, get him where he needs to yeah. be. The prosecution produced no eyewitnesses, but relied on its scientific evidence, like the secretor type and several fibers from the Gustafsson home that were also on LaPlante's clothes. Four members of LaPlante's family testified that he was also not home between 3 to 5 p.m. on the day of the murders. This contradicted Danny's claim that he had been home all day. Yeah, he said he was home all day watching music videos. No, yeah, what? Well, good for this family. Dude, his mom They're said We're not trying
1: to cover this up. The mom said when she got on the stand, the prosecutor said, You understand you're under oath, and you understand you cannot lie. And she said, Okay. And so afterwards, when she was interviewed, they said, Why did you say that stuff about your son? And she said, Well, the prosecutor said I had to tell good the truth. Good for her.
2: So I told the truth. Yeah. The jury deliberated for five hours, over two days, before finding Daniel LaPlante guilty on all three counts of first-degree murder. During sentencing, Judge Barton told the defendant, Some people say you should receive the same sentence you imposed on the Gustafsons,
1: death by ligatures and hanging, but we don't have a death penalty in Massachusetts.
2: Instead, the judge sentenced Danny to three consecutive life sentences without parole. In November of 1993, the state's highest court upheld LaPlante's convictions. Andrew Gustafson was too bereaved to comment on the verdict, but Priscilla's sister said,
1: "We're glad Daniel Plant's gone from this world for good, but life is unfair. Four people were killed." Her other sister added, "There couldn't be justice," and that is very true. It's true, even if he goes to jail, even if he had the death penalty, it's not going to no. ever bring back those those four no, souls.
2: That's a hurt that no matter what the outcome of his trial or anything it's not going to matter to them. Mm-mm. They just want their family members back. Well, Danny is currently rotting in jail, but nevertheless manages to be a gross monster. No editorializing here. <laughs> in 2004, Danny's civil attorneys were awarded about $100,000 in attorney's fees against the Board of Prisons for violating Danny's civil rights. Danny claims he was denied access to the prison law library after being put in solitary due to fears for his own safety. He also complained that he had his pornography taken away, and that violated his First Amendment rights. Prison policy permits commercial erotica. They were taking it away from him. Danny got $450 compensation, while his attorneys earned $100,000 in fees. Man. That's just, he's just doing it to be an to, ass. Yeah, to give a middle finger. Got nothing else to do. LaPlante also filed a suit against the Massachusetts Department of Correction after claiming his freedom to practice Wicca was infringed upon after being denied colored pins, carrot cake, and dragon blood, a ritual oil. Uh If practicing Wicca has colored pens and carrot cake... Sign me up, man. I'm in. I had a good friend that practiced Wicca.
1: I think I, he's making this up. That they need this stuff? Yeah, I think uh, Hot Take Danny LaPlante's lying to get cake. Um uh, you know yeah, what? I don't
2: know much about it, so I don't know what the cake is about. But according to court documents, plant said the cake would, quote, excite the senses and that it had to be carrot cake or wolf ice, as he claims the Wiccans call it. He also claimed that while he needed carrot cake for January, he would need a chocolate cake in February. That's just a cake of the month club. <laughs> I think he just maybe his birthday was in February. He's like, I want a chocolate cake for my birthday. Now, again, I don't know much about Wicca. Maybe you guys need cakes. I'm sure we have some Wiccan listeners that could educate us. I, think I don't if know we why ask we need for, cakes. If we ask for DMs, they're just going to go, no, that is incorrect. <laughs> Danny LaPlante made this up. I, I honestly do not know, but I don't want to say that he made it up in case they do do something it may with be. cakes. I and don't then, You know what? Cater- I don't want to shit on anybody's religion of no, what you're doing with cakes. I'm into it, especially if there's cakes. Hey, any religion that involves cakes of the month, sign me up right now, please. <laughs> right in line. Upon hearing of his lawsuit, pagans from around the globe came forward to say that he did not need these items to practice the faith and that they refused to accept him as one of their own. I think, yeah, I think maybe he was trying to uh, take
1: advantage of a lesser known religion in that order doesn't to... doesn't sound like him. ...to benefit himself.
2: In March of 2019, Merritt Schnipper, attorney for LaPlante filed for an appeal citing that his client's current sentence is in conflict with a 2014 state adopted law, which says defendants convicted of a murder as juveniles should be given a meaningful opportunity to reengage with society. And that the longest term that juveniles convicted of first degree murder must serve before going before the parole board is 30 years. The thing about this is it's not a retroactive statute. Right. Schnipner called for a resentencing that would make Danny eligible for parole after 30 to 35 years, offering LaPlante a chance to make a case for release immediately or within a few years. Prosecutor Crystal Lyons urged the court to reject any change in LaPlante's sentence, citing the brutality of the crimes. It was also noted that the law isn't retroactive, and in cases like LaPlante's, in which multiple crimes occurred— Nothing prohibits judges from ordering consecutive sentences that push parole eligibility dates out further.
1: Yeah, this is not a case of he's been wronged or he was some kid that was wrongfully. I mean, he was a cold blooded killer. Sure. On months away from his
2: 18th birthday. Right. At best, that would be a technicality. In June of 2019, the Massachusetts Supreme Court unanimously upheld the plant sentence, meaning he must serve 45 years of his three consecutive life sentences before being offered the possibility of parole. This ruling means Danny will be behind bars until he is at least 62 years old. A psychiatrist
1: that was brought in to talk with him and see if he had maybe been rehabilitated mm. said "Under no, he has not been and he's still a danger to society.
2: At his appeal sentence or his appeal trial he made a very public apology and said he was remorseful and thought every day about how he wished he could take back what he did and most people were like this is a load of bullshit it's one of those things where
1: i especially having an expert examine him and say no he doesn't really have remorse and he is still a danger to others He's had however many years he's been in jail to watch videos or think about how would a person who sounds like they're sorry sound Mm -hmm. in order to
2: sound at the appellate hearing to sound. He has nothing to think about except how to get out of where he is. Exactly. District Attorney Tom Riley, who is now in private practice, put it bluntly. He said Danny destroyed a family and will never be rehabilitated. He is extremely dangerous and he should never get out. Riley said in 2007, echoing what he said at Danny's sentencing hearing 20 years previously. Danny is such a danger, he must die in prison. Well, there's a good chance he will. It worked out for
1: Tom Riley. He was the DA at the time. Well, he was an assistant DA at the time, prosecutor at the time. And then after this case, it kind of jump-started his career. Ran good for, for you, DA, Riley. got elected middle, uh, the Middlesex County DA or whatever. And now I think he's a partner at a big firm. But yeah, he
2: should die in prison. So what do we think? He should die in prison. He should die in prison. Yeah. Yes, I agree he should never get out. The Gustafsons, uh Andrew Gustafson passed away in 2014, but Priscilla's sisters and other family members have all come forward to say he should never be released. We we want him to die in prison. And I, it's just it was
1: so it's such a heinous crime and
2: senseless and violent and completely there. He had no connection or there was no motive. It was simple evil. He just escalated from, and, and many said because he had the guns that, the only reason he went through with this is that he wasn't brave enough or didn't have the confidence to do it without some sort of armed weapon. Mm -hmm. So once he got these guns, he felt powerful. Yes. Then, then he escalated, but he escalated so quickly. Yeah. Which is also very scary to think if he hadn't been caught, what he was capable of next. Just doing simple from fairly
1: simple burglaries, of course, terrorizing the family. The Andrew family was pretty telling of his capabilities. That's lying in wait and planning and doing things. But, and holding a family hostage. But yeah, escalating that quickly to a triple murder and sexual assault is... Uh,
2: it's... So he was never... He never went to trial for that. Correct. He spent 10 months in juvie waiting. But because he, this happened while he, his trial w- was upcoming... Yes. Does that just mean that crime, because it's such a lesser crime, they no. just throw away? They just didn't charge him. I mean, he was
1: charged. They just didn't do the trial, I wouldn't think. Interesting. Interesting. Because at some point you're in jail for a million years.
2: Yeah. I'm just thinking from that family's point of view, they don't really get get closure. Yeah. Which I'm sure they're also like... Well, Thank my god. god at least this wasn't us. Yeah, we I, I, I was easy. They but... would be relieved that yeah, it wasn't them. Absolutely. Although and
1: and also probably survivors guilt and think, "Oh god, yeah. how easily or what if he had killed us and yeah, then definitely. that family would have been saved because he would have been arrested yeah. or he would have gone to jail sooner." So I mean and I'm uh, it was like I said it kind of rocked the small town as far as he shouldn't have even been out. Right. Like, yeah. Psych records said he was a danger, he was violent, he had these tendencies and also just to me saying, okay, this kid's only 17. He doesn't know what he did. It's like, no, he was in their home. Yeah, for stalking months. Stalking them, threatening them, and then tying them up. That indicates a level of behavior so far beyond the norm that he definitely at least needs to be kept for further evaluation, yeah. if not just until trial.
2: Where did his family think he was all that
1: time? I don't know that he maybe lived there 24-7. You think he just came and went? I, yeah, because he got so good at burglary. I would think he, and it's in the basement, you know, if there's a window or something, you kind of slip in so and out. So he of the might spend the
2: night there, spend mm-hmm. some time there, but he was going home at night and just coming, coming in mm-hmm. and out. Wow. Yeah, I don't think he twenty
1: four seven lived there because there would just be like tons of fecal matter and yeah, he had to change clothes. Yeah, and he would and, have had to eat and stuff like and that and go to school and whatnot.
2: Well, I
1: think you know he is
2: think. a monster. Terrible. Hopes he ne- hope he never gets out no. and. My god, what a terrible thing for both these families to go through, but especially the Gustafsons. That is a nightmare that I never want to imagine. Yeah,
1: and I don't think, you know, back then, like I said, they lived in a small town, no enemies, no you would never think n- people no moved to small
2: towns so things like this don't happen. And that's exactly what happened. It's crazy. <sighs> well, let us know what you guys think. It's a it's a doozy. So, it takes a lot of twists and turns. Definitely. I'd heard of this story from Listener Suggestions. I did not know it ended with these murders. Correct. I thought it was just the crazy stuff that happened in
1: the andrews house at spencer's mom on instagram asked us to do this oh Shout thank out. you thank you and i just very initially briefly looked at the andrews family thing and didn't scroll down and see and then he also went on to be <laughs> a oh, heinous killer happened yeah so that you know i mean w- that takes it from just a interesting a almost
2: creepy bizarre thing urban to legend a, to yeah something a much nightmare more sinister and real absolutely well thank you what's her name again at Spencer's, mom. At Spencer's mom for the suggestion. We have some very fun and exciting appearances coming up. I'm so excited. We We're are very excited. On August 1st, you can catch us alongside some other awesome podcast hosts on the Badass Ladies Behind the Mic podcast panel on Thursday, August 1st from 6 to 8 p.m. in Dallas. We are also
1: thrilled to announce that on August 22nd at Interabang Books in Dallas, we have the honor of interviewing the acclaimed true crime writer and co-host of the podcast Murder Squad, Billy Jensen, about his new book, Chase Darkness with Me. We would love to see you guys there, and we have more details on that event to come.
2: Yes, information on both of these events are at sinisterhood.com forward slash links. We can't wait. We are super excited. Also, Billy Jensen, jensen is a huge love island fan oh god and i we've already discussed how we're going to talk about love island so i'm very very excited <laughs> it's gonna this. be awesome it's everything i love under one roof I except can't wait. ella won't be there so but almost everything I almost love. you can bring a photo of ella and it's almost oh, everything that's good i've always got a photo with her she's oh my god i've got there's got to be upwards of ten thousand photos of her <laughs> on my phone at this point <laughs> Well, many of you have asked if we have a Patreon where you can donate to the show. We do. Our show will always remain free, but if you wish to donate to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner. You can get some sweet perks like Patreon exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout out. So many of you have been tagging us in pics of you,
1: sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Please don't stop. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on shop in the top right corner. Also, my dream came true, and we finally got photos of dogs several onesies. Pibbles,
2: shih tzus, keep them them coming. coming. We love it so much. Also, send us pics of your babies in these too, or your kiddos. Well, the best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod, and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather, what
1: about you? I'm on Instagram at Heather VS The World and on Twitter at MCK VS The World. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Thanks so much for sticking around and for supporting the show. Here are your Patreon shoutouts. Samantha and Reezy.
2: Mia. Lydia Hackenberg. Regan Janae Kasten. Carrie Cowling. Samantha Wertheimer. Tyler Brown. Allison Brown. Ashley Shannon. And Freshy Lawrence. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting the show. We appreciate it so much. And keep your eye out for your sinister hood stickers in the mail. Keep it creepy. <laughs> sinister. Hood.
0: Chumba ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Full worth prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.